Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates, there's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches, their contact information, their social media information, uh, some basic stats about the school and more. Plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions, share your wins, your losses, any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process. It's all there at the Discover College Soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com slash study table and hopefully we will see you there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Debbie from New College of Florida. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, glad to have you. Uh, you know, it took me uh, a year and a half to get Eckerd on, which was the geographically closest program to me at the time. But now that New College has a program, you are my geographical closest person. So uh, it was great. We even got to see each other in person last week. Um, so welcome and and congrats on on a, on a first season. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's exciting to have something based in Sarasota because, like you said, it's St. Pete, or I mean, you're going inland or obviously way south. Um, so it's nice to have something um, around here in Sarasota because it's a beautiful, beautiful location and. Athletics, I think, will help the community in general just have something around outside of high school athletics. Yeah, for sure. And so you, you completed your first season this past fall. And when did you get to put your boots on the ground and really start as coach of the program leading up to the fall season? So it started May 1st, technically, but I was still in South Carolina finishing where I was form uh, coaching formally and uh, had about two weeks to try to recruit um, you know, in bases of South Carolina before I was able to physically move to Sarasota and then had about two months to recruit for the fall 2023. So um, a short timeline for sure, but I'm thankful that it all worked out and had a really great, um, you know, roster this year of just really great student athletes. Um, and it was a good, you know, good first season to kind of lay the foundation. Yeah, for sure. Well, congrats on on pulling that together quickly. I know, uh, you know, when I had my coach job, it was kind of the same thing. I, I, I didn't. My contract didn't start till till June one, and, and you're trying to trying to put things together. Luckily, I had uh, returning players, which you didn't have the uh, the the benefit of. But so, how many players did you get for this first fall season? And what are you? Is there a, an ideal number that you have in your head that you're looking to have on the roster moving forward? Yeah, so this year we had we started with 16, um, and then the first week of preseason, two decided that it wasn't for them, um, from the competitive collegiate aspect. And then we uh, gained another uh, current student that joined the roster kind of halfway through the season. So we're at 15, um, which is, is low by the standard of, you know, having 11 on the field. So ideal roster for next year for the varsity team would be I would say between 26, 28, enough to go 11 aside and practice. And um, of course, sometimes you have to navigate injuries and, and other variables that might limit, you know, players being able to play um, or be eligible in games. So that's a, that's a pretty um, 
you know, fair roster to be able to manage. Well, and, and I assume as a, a new program, obviously you don't have like eight kids in each class and, and a, and a normal rotation of seniors graduating and freshmen coming on and that sort of stuff. So are, are you looking more at, you know, junior colleges and, um, you know, maybe, maybe transfer portal, you know, even though that's kind of NCAA stuff, but kids transferring and, and, um, and internationals do internationals figure into to that at all? Yeah. So, um, well, for this summer, it was really primarily, um, you know, seniors graduating in 2023. So freshmen, uh, first time in college students. Um, so that was, that was the bulk of our roster this year. We had two international players from Germany. Um, they were actually committed to a division two school in New York and that closed suddenly in July. So, um, fortunately I was able to connect with them and they decided to come here. Um, and so what it's going to look like moving forward for the 2024, um, recruiting class and, and probably thereafter, um, will be kind of a mix between, I mean, transfer students, they do would be coming in for at least a year, primarily two years of experience, college experience. So um, I think every program is looking at that if they can. Um, we don't have access to the, the real transfer portal because we're NAI. So um, uh, Verified Athletes is a really great resource that we have um, to be able to have those conversations with those, most of them that are in the portal. Um, I would say based on kind of the cost of attendance and what we're able to do here so far, it will be a mix of in-state students with Bright Futures or Pell uh, grants that would make it uh, pretty affordable to come here. And then um, actually international students from like the Latin American regions, or there's about 30 countries that would be able to be gifted in-state tuition as well. So those are kind of the, the main two, but um, there are some really great local talented kids, um, you know, in the state of Florida, um, especially in this region here in Sarasota that, um, you know, heavily recruiting for as well. So I think there'll be kind of three different demographics well, m more on that, the, to that last point, you know, uh, I'm, you're, you're lucky in that you're, you know, within a few minutes of the, the premier soccer complex and IMG and, and not, you know, within an hour of the Tampa sportsplex where all these big tournaments happen year round. So, um, are you primarily just kind of getting yourself to stay local or are you venturing out to other places what are some of the tournaments and events that that are kind of on your radar that you want to hit to to see players at yeah so fortunately like you said premier sports campus is 30 minutes down um down the street uh tampa's an hour north of us so fortunately all of the major showcases and tournaments that happen especially in the winter time into the early spring are here in florida so as far as a recruiting standpoint it's, it's nice to be able to guarantee heading out there for the weekend to, to scout local talent or teams that are coming out of state for those specific tournaments um so we've we've done a few the last few months um and moving forward there's a few in january that are starting up there's two coming up um the weekend into the new year um, um a dpl showcase and i believe um another one in Sanford. And then there's, of course, the Disney showcase that's happening uh, a weekend after that. So um, fortunately, most of the recruiting has been in-state in Florida, just from a cost-effective and logistics standpoint. Um, but there are going to be some out-of-state ones up north in the Midwest area, um, probably California coming up soon as well. Um, so we'll kind of branch out there. But um, as far as being able to uh, be able to find the, the recruiting showcases that are going to produce the, the 
most fruit for us as far as being able to start conversations and hopefully get them to um, get on campus. And that whole process would, would mainly be in Florida. Okay. Now I know you worked uh, the, the exact camp uh, back in November, but are you guys going to host your own ID camps uh, at new college or just kind of look at other camps or how important are camps going to be to this whole recruiting process? So we do have one scheduled for the winter. Um, it's on January 20th. Um, the, it's always kind of balancing out, um, you know, what tournaments or showcases are happening on certain weekends and then trying to balance that out with, with times that aren't going to, you know, naturally overlap where we can guarantee enough um, players able to come out and um, potentially come to ID camp. Um, what I'm finding is on that, that day, there's also a, a an ID camp at St. Louis University as well. So, you know, I might have to maybe change the date just because I'm allowing students the the true platform to go in and get as much exposure as they want. Um, so that might change. So I'm working on those dates, but um, we'll have a winter ID camp whether in January that day or maybe a little bit later into February. And then of course in the summer, we'll also have one and the men's team is doing the exact same thing. So that'll be nice just to kind of build a brand, allow student athletes to come in and get an experience of, meeting the current players on the team, um, meeting all the coaches, and just being able to, to get a better feel for what the new college um, program would look like. Okay. Well, whether it's camps, tournaments, uh, wherever you're seeing players, kind of what makes up the, the hierarchy of things that you're looking for in a player, whether that's on the field attributes or off the field stuff? For me, it's, um, you know, I think a lot of local players or even those out of state or internationally have a basis of a foundation of technical ability. Uh, physical stature is important too. Um, as far as a college game, it's a, it's a physical game, higher speed of play. Um, so really it's finding, finding players that, um, you know, are willing to embrace the physical part of the part of college soccer, um, willing to go into tackles hard, um, you know, are aggressive in both uh, regaining possession um, you know, and just being able to, to keep possession. Um, but outside of that too, it's just, I think it's a mentality, a, a true competitive nature where they want to come in and they, they want to, to get better. They want to develop, they want to do what's right in their role for their teammates. And so if I can find, you know, players that are going to work hard, they're going to work hard for their teammates. They're committed to the team above self and they have a really great character where I don't have to worry about them, you know, off the field, they're, they're going to do the right things. They're going to go to classes. They're going to take that seriously. Um, you know, they're going to, again, be a, a great fit for the program as we continue to build the culture here and the environment here. So um, those are really what I'm looking for because the technical aspect, the tactical elements that can be developed over their time here as well. Okay. That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the school. Uh, I'm sure there's folks out there not familiar with, with new college. It, I mean, I guess it's been in the news uh, some down here in Florida uh, over the last year, but um, what was it that kind of drew you to the program? What are some of the awesome things about the school that you found in your time there so far? Maybe some stuff we wouldn't know just by going through the website. Yeah, so New College has been around since 1960. The The name might confuse some people because they assume it's a new college, but of course it's been around since 1960. And um, really historically, New College has been a really, really great, well-renowned uh, public liberal arts college. And so producing some of the best um, students to go on for higher, you know, either graduate degrees or a lot of doctorate um, degrees and able to do, to be, 
you know, leaders in their field. And so since we are um, a liberal arts college, we offer so many different, we call them areas of concentration or similar to majors and minors. And so um, I think our academic model is is really innovative and really allows after students or student athletes to come in and be able to get a degree that's tailored to them specifically, specifically that's going to allow them into what career or field they want to work for. So um, it's, it's kind of created in a way where someone can come in and say, hey, this is what I'm interested in. And they're going to be worked with a, um, a academic advisor and a career coach that's going to walk them and allow them to create a contract. So the contract is basically a semester where they're choosing, handpicking the classes with help and guidance from those two to be able to formulate, again, their degree path and being able to pull from different AOCs to tailor it to them specifically. So it's not only just the tailored design for that student, um, but it's also then the hands-on experience, experiential experiential learning that's involved in that process. And then um, every January we do an ISP, which is an independent study period. And that's where each student can go and within whatever field or AOC they're pursuing, go and get hands-on experience or start to do research or whatever they're created, um, whatever they would like to to use that time for. Um, so again, I think that stands, makes us stand out as far as a, a true academic model. Uh, so students are coming here and they're getting a really, really valuable education that's going to prepare them for the future. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, one of the hardest challenges for especially freshmen going into college is really learning how to balance the demands of the classroom versus their sport. So how do your student athletes really maintain that balance and what support systems does a school offer to help them, especially being a new uh, athletic department? Yeah. So um, because we are part of the state university system, we do have a lot of uh, resources on campus. So we have student success coaches, we have writing labs, we have every resource that's going to help the student uh, academically here. Um, as a student athlete, you know, this is the first year we're concluding our first fall uh, semester, um, navigating what that looks like. And so, you know, women's soccer and men's soccer were, were kind of the first student athletes to be introduced to that. And so um, we're still kind of creating that process in place. We are going to be adding, I believe, athletic um, admissions coordinators or um, advisors that are going to be able to kind of come along and make sure that the student athlete is being successful in classes. And that's going to be kind of the mediator between um, their professors and then us as coaches. And so I think that's going to be helpful moving forward, just to make sure that we're we're guiding and making sure that, again, uh, the student athletes under our care are um, being successful in their contracts, being successful in their academic coursework. And then, you know, the sport would come secondary to that. Um, so we we definitely have a lot of resources, which are, which is great. And then every student or student athlete can use those resources as much as they want. And then you know study halls and things of that nature. The the programs can implement on their on their own as well. Okay. Well, and and you I'll let you choose whether you either go back in time or look forward in time. But uh, kind of take me through an average week uh, for, for one of your players, whether that's next season or what we just did this season, what, you know, when are classes and practice times and, and games and meals and, and all the things. 
Yeah, so um, since we are joining the Sun Conference in the fall, which is really exciting for us, um, we will have games on Wednesdays and Saturdays, unless there's a bye week. So what a typical um, week would look like in the competitive season. We would, um, we've been training in the morning, uh, which has been really nice. So uh, we'll continue to train in the morning, usually an hour and a half or so, 7 to 8.30 is kind of the sweet spot. So that allows students, our student athletes, to be able to go uh, give back to campus, shower, eat breakfast, get ready for their classes. If they have 9 a.m. classes, that's when the bulk of the classes start. And then classes can range from 9 a.m. to all the way to, you know, block classes ending at 9 p.m., depending on the day. So uh, based on their schedule. But once practice is done in the morning, they have obviously classes as priority. And then um, most of the day is is left to them to be able to make sure that they're going to the cafeteria, the ham, uh, which is open uh, basically all day, uh, making sure that they have time to do other, you know, student events on campus. A lot of them would like to go off campus and, you know, go downtown Sarasota, which is a few blocks away, down to the beaches, of course, especially if they're not from Florida, they're always wanting to go to the beach um, and just kind of, you know, getting off campus or staying on campus and, you know, studying at our um, Four Winds Cafe um, and being able to just kind of engage in, in community there. So um, on Mondays and Thursdays coming up in this season, we'll also have weightlifting twice a week in season. So that will be, again, based on schedule, either early morning or maybe later in the evening, depending on, again, when all the student athletes are, um, you know, not in class. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of flexibility between, you know, coming to practice early, doing what we need to do to be prepared to move us into Wednesday and Saturday. And then Thursdays are most likely going to be when um, we will either have a light recovery session or <clears throat> they might have, um, you know, that morning off to rest and then uh, weightlifting later in that evening. So um, kind of a nice balance so far. We're going to continue to implement things or there, of course, are going to be some opportunities to uh, go over films, scouting reports, things of that, that nature that most likely would be that Tuesday and that Friday leading into those matches. But um, a nice balance because again, the workload here is a little bit more rigorous. And so I wanna make sure that my student athletes have enough time to seek out those resources, be successful in classes, but we can also do that still balancing what we need to do on the field. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about on the field stuff. Um, you know, you mentioned trying to get that roster up uh, to, to the 28-ish number, but uh, probably don't want to do that all by yourself. So do you have other staff that work with you? Are there other athletic department support staff that help out with the team during the year? Kind of what's that look like? So I do have an assistant coach. Um, she graduated from UT Martin, uh, and her and her family actually moved here to Lakewood Ranch. And um, so she works full time for her dad's company, consulting company. Um, but she's my part-time assistant coach right now, and she does a really great job. And so what we're looking for right now is we have an open position for um, a JV head coach, a full-time position, then also, you know, a supplementing time as being an assistant coach for the varsity team as well. And then we have one more position that could either be a grad assistant position or another part-time assistant coach that we're looking to fill as well, leading into the fall 2024. And so those are postings are on our website. Um, and then right now, um, the community of coaches here, um, we're, we're creating opportunities where we're, you know, helping one another in their programs, whether it's, again, little things or admin tasks or things of that nature. So that community has been helpful. But as we go into the spring, um, you know, we 
will, you know, since our roster is still, you know, going to be between 15 to 18 in the spring, maybe closer to 19, that's still pretty manageable between the two of us. But again, the hope is to be able to bring on two more additional coaches and then being able to manage, um, you know, a first team and a second team potentially next fall. Okay. So that was actually going to be one of my questions. I know a handful of those Sun Conference teams field those developmental teams, JV teams, whatever you want to call them. So you're you're looking to, even with 28, kind of potentially have that two-team balance? So the goal is actually to get to 40, around 40 um, as a roster within the program. And so then it's kind of designing, you know, the first, second team or the varsity, uh, varsity reserve team. And, and it, for us, it's going to be a little bit more fluid. It's going to allow everyone the opportunity to get as much game experience and exposure. And then, you know, fluid enough where if someone that's pegged as the first team or varsity team, if they're not doing what they need to do or they're not taking classes seriously, they're not meeting our standards um, or performance is dropping, you know, being able to, again, adjust or, you know, someone that comes in that might need a little bit more time to get used to the, the speed of play and the physicality of the college game, you know, allowing them that opportunity and then, you know, potentially earning minutes on the, on the first team. So that is that's the goal. So that means there's about 25 to 27 players to recruit for the fall 2024. So um, definitely a, um, a, a big recruiting year for us. And then hopefully then with, with retention and, and having that additional uh, full-time JV coach, we can manage the team well and be able to, you know, have more of a regular recruiting cycle that most other programs have where you're bringing in maybe five to 10, depending on who's graduating yeah. and who's leaving. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Well, all right. Now we get to talk about you, though, specifically. Uh, so how would you describe kind of your style of coaching and that style of play that you're looking to implement on the team? So I really like kind of the indirect um, kind of hybrid. It's not tiki taka style necessarily, but it's, you know, using with as much as we can, um, you know, using combination play, link play to, to progress the ball forward um, from, you know, the defensive third into the attacking third. Um, finding our moments to naturally overload in certain areas of the field, just so we're successful with keeping possession and, you know, being able to to move the opposition and then find moments to break those lines and, and move forward together as a unit. Um, so the principles will stay the same as far as the formation of the system we're playing. Uh, we'll kind of, you know, adapt based on who we're playing, uh, the personnel of the players that I have. But uh, this year we played a 4-3-3. That was that you know, did seemingly well for us. And then with the addition of some really great players coming in in the fall, you know, I'd like to be able to not only learn the 4-3-3 well, but be able to switch between other systems as well, whether a 3-5-2, a 4-2-3-1, even, you know, a 4-4-2 potentially, again, matching up uh, the skill set of our players and then also, you know, the opposition that we're playing. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a mix of, you know, indirect possession um, and then uh, counter-pressing pressing in, in certain moments. So um, the players are going to definitely have to be fit. Um, and hopefully we have enough depth where we can kind of rotate through if we're going to be a pressing team or a counter-pressing team um, in majority of the games. Um, but yeah, and that's kind of how we would like to play and, and what we're building towards. And we have a good foundation of some players that are really buying into that um, or are coming from club or high school that play a similar, similar style. I do know that the college game can be very direct. Um, and there are going to be moments to be able to do that as well. So it's just making sure that the players understand when those moments are. And as far as the coaching style, you know, I really believe in creating a, um, you know, fun, competitive, high intensity um, atmosphere. 
but where there's going to be a sense of joy and alignment within, you know, peer to peer or teammate to teammate, where they're able to, you work hard for one another. They're bought into, you know, creating the foundation and the opportunity to compete, but doing it again for one another, not for themselves. And, um, you know, for me, it starts with my coaching staff, myself and those um, around me to be intentional with building relationships, intentional with creating them the, you know, having them have a sense of autonomy in decision making and making sure that um, we're encouraging, we're, um, you know, motivating them. We're creating a space where, you know, we're stretching them and challenging them or doing it in a way where they where they know that they're safe and that they can, um, you know, enjoy that process of developing um and so that's you know kind of the environment that we're we're looking to build and have started to build because um sadly most student athletes when they're looking for uh, a program they want a place where they belong they feel like they belong they feel like it's a family there's no clickiness or divisiveness and sadly sometimes most programs whether it's high school club or other formats uh, that exist so for here you know can we separate or be set apart where you love it you love your teammates, you have really great relationships with your coaches and your teammates, but we're working hard, we're competing. Um, and I think both can exist. Absolutely. Well, coach, you, you've been awesome and I appreciate your time. I want to leave you with one last question. Uh, and that is if you had one piece of advice, one nugget of information that, that you wish every kind of player going through this college recruiting process would know, what would that be? Good question. I would say um, it's never too late in the recruiting process. Uh, and there's always going to be programs that are looking for people, even if you're in your senior year and you're a few months from graduation. I mean, I built a team on, uh, you know, 15 individuals that didn't know that they're going to be playing college soccer or, um, you know, didn't have that same exposure. So I'd say, you know, being able to start early obviously is helpful, but keeping an open mind into the programs that are reaching out to you. Um, don't buy into this narrative that it has to be division one or it has to be a certain status or level because um, sometimes reality is you've either, you've either missed that window or you not you might not be able to play in that system. Um, and so being open to what you want your college, you know, soccer experience to look like, and that might be a different college or a different program than what you may have considered in the beginning. So uh, just be open in the recruiting process, hear out coaches, and just, you know, make sure that you're allowing yourself all those, all those opportunities and, um, you know, to continue, um, you know, starting even if you feel like it's too late. Absolutely. Well, couldn't agree more, Coach. Uh, really appreciate the time. It's uh, been great talking to you in person as well as on here, and I'm sure I'll see you uh, over at one of these tournaments or, or somewhere else here soon, all right? So mm -hmm. have, a, have a great holiday, and uh, thanks for being on. Thank you. I appreciate it. The Discover College Soccer podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more.